Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And we welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Album. I am the author of the book, Tuesdays with Maury, upon which this podcast is inspired. Lisa Goitsch, the producer of this program, and my friend is here with us preparing for the holidays. Just a few days to go, Lisa. How are you coming along? Woo-hoo. I love the holidays. It's my favorite. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Now, are you Mitch. saying that with a tad of cynicism or No, sincerity? no. Actually, is it is. It actually is, except it just moves too fast. You know, there's yeah. too much going on. It, it goes uh, from being like... wonderful to frenetic. Yes. To like, and then manic. Yes. And then over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. In yeah, that and order. It's over. Yeah. And when it's over, I get sad. Hmm. You know? Well, we've been trying in our recent weeks to deal with some of those things. And uh, last week's show, we talked about missing people at the holidays and how to sort of look at that as its own gift, you know, at a, a gift-giving time. And, of course, the big focus of this particular holiday is children. And so we thought this would be an opportune time to talk with somebody who knows a lot about children, writes about them, talks about them, speaks about them, does podcast about them. Arlene Pellicane is a speaker, as I mentioned. She's a host of the Happy Home podcast, which I had a chance to talk with her recently. Uh, she's the author of several books, including Parents Rising, 31 Days to a Happy Husband. I think I took 32. And Screen Kids, <laughs> which is her uh, most recent one, came out last year. You've seen her on many different TV shows, and she's been featured in different articles. Uh, and she's got a website, Arlene Pellicane, P-E-L-L-I-C-A-N-E.com, and a master class at happyhomeuniversity.com. Arlene, we're so happy to have you on the Tuesday People podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Mitch and Lisa. So let's focus on children here, as we said, uh, because of Christmas. And Maury had a lot to say about children. He had two of his own. One uh, was adopted, and the other, of course, was born right after they adopted. Because how many times have you heard that a story that uh, you, you, you can't have kids, you can't have kids, all right, we'll adopt. They adopt and... The, the woman gets pregnant. It's uh, it happened within my own family. Uh, yeah. but so, so he had uh, two, two uh, sons. And as we sp- spoke during the last months of his life, uh, he said that he wouldn't tell people to have children in terms of instructing them, but he would tell them that if you don't, you're missing out on a really important thing. You're missing out on something great. You, if I know correctly, you've been married for more than 20 years and you've got three kids, right? Correct, yes. Did you have your, your kids uh, early, late in life? Uh, when, whenever you had them, what did they teach you when they came along? Yes. 
I think if I would have had my druthers, I would have had them much earlier. I would have married earlier and I would have had them earlier, but that's not how life works. No. And, you know, I had them in my late twenties, which, yeah, which doesn't sound to me now. That doesn't sound Mm. late at all. Like it's kind of normal now, but you know, I, I'm in my fifties. So back then it was like, this is kind of late having children. And so when I had my first child, it was very miraculous to me because we had trouble having kids. And I, we didn't really have any history of infertility on either side of, of my, my, my side or my husband's side. So when I couldn't get pregnant, it was like, what is happening? And we found ourselves in this infertility seminar with 80 other couples. And I thought, wow, there's 80 other couples just, you know, it just seems like so many people had this problem. And I realized, wow, a lot of people have this problem. And we figured out that it was fibroids in my uterus. We had surgery to remove them. And of course, this is a bit of a lengthy process of figuring all this out. So when I finally did naturally have my own child, Ethan, who is now a senior in high school, you know, my husband remembers being in the hospital, you know, it's multi, multi levels, and he was, you know, looking out the window to, to the freeway. And he was thinking, look at all these people just passing the hospital, and they don't even know that this huge event, you know, has happened, the birth of my son. And yeah. I think life is so much like that, that you are experiencing this big high. And, you know, of course, a lot of people don't know about it. But I think for every parent, when they have that first, second, third child, whatever, that, that high is supposed to be there, that this is really an apex and something quite wonderful. Well, I think that there's probably no shortage of the moment that the baby is born, the moment that you get to hold that infant on your on your chest, the moment you take your first picture, and and the the moment you know you wake up the first morning and say, "Well, the child is here, and here we are." I think what people yeah. begin to struggle with sometimes is three weeks later, and eight weeks later, and nine months later, yeah. and. When when nobody's making a fuss anymore, and nobody's here. sending you yeah, yeah nobody's yeah. sending you balloons and flowers and new toys and all the rest, and it's just you and the child. And in the famous movie Diner, when Daniel Stern is talking about marriage, and he says, you know, before you get married, you spend all your time you and your girlfriend just trying to figure out where to do it. You know, where are we going to do it? Where are we going? We can't find. We can't go yeah. here. We can't do that. We can't do that. And then you get married, and she's there. And you wake up and she's there and you come home and she's there and you don't have to worry about where you do because you're always together. You know, of course, it was a comedy and he was talking about marriage. But there's a little bit of that when it comes to children and that, oh, I I can't wait to have children. I can't wait to have children. And then it's like, oh, my God, they want breakfast again and they're here again and there's no relief. What is what is what is the uh, in your view? What's the the, the antidote to that? Mm. You know, I, I laugh at that because it's not only are they there, but they're there in like high definition, surround sound, amplification, right. like it is all there. And, you know, when you're in those young <laughs> years, it's mommy, 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 you know, it's like a hundred times mommy. You're like, what in the world? So there is definitely that period of time where it's like they're just everywhere. And I think of two things. One is, you know, I used to go to the bathroom because it was the only place I could shut the door and feel like these toddlers or these children would not follow me, right? And I remember one day just sitting in the bathroom and my little Ethan, I think he's probably like three-ish, and he opened the door, he shut off the lights, closed the door, and he giggled. He thought that was the funniest thing in the world. And I just sat there in the dark because I was like, 
this is great. I don't care if it's dark. I just want to see her. So I think part of the antidote is really scheduling time to be alone. So part of that antidote is for that parent to say, you know what, this is a full-time job. I love this job, but I need to take a break from this job. So once a month, I'm going to go have dinner with my friend. I'm going to schedule a babysitter, the spouse is going to, whatever it is. But you schedule that so you know I have a regular rhythm of getting away. And, and you know, and I'm not saying like every weekend you're going to be gone. No, that's, that's, that's a little too right. generous. But that you have something that you're looking forward to. I remember meeting another mom on the playground and I just chatted with her and asked her what her hobbies were. And she looked at me like I had a third eye. She's like, hobbies, I have children, you know. Mm. And I said, well, what did you used to do? And she's like this pro volleyball player. And I said, well, you should play volleyball again. And she looked at me like, well, that would be impossible, but it's not. So I think as a parent, if you can schedule that thing that refuels you, refreshes you, that you can walk away from your children for two hours and come back, that makes you a much better parent. So that's, I think, one antidote to not think of yourself so irreplaceable that your kids couldn't handle not having you for two hours because they can. That is going to be just fine. I ask you that. The second thing I think is, yeah, go ahead. Well, I ask you that question because I want to lead into something that you are somewhat expert on that I think is really important at this time of year and and throughout the year. You wrote a book, as I mentioned before, called Screen Kids, dealing with this generation mm-hmm. of children who are addicted to screens. Now, when I said to you, what's the antidote to yeah. that? They're always there. They're always around. And you gave a very good answer in that, you know, make sure that you find some time for yourself. But I'd like you to address the way that people often mm. deal with that problem, which is oh, turn so on the good. TV yes, or get them an iPad. And, oh, it's yeah. a kid's iPad. It's not the same as an adult's iPad. I got news for you. If it turns on and it's got yeah. a screen that holds your attention, it's an yeah. iPad. It doesn't matter yeah. what app you're using. But so many parents will yeah. immediately find that relief of the always Mm -hmm. there and mommy, 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 by just flicking on that screen or giving them, and it is such an easy thing to do. But as you point out in Screen Kids, it's not the right thing to do. Uh, Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Thank you so much for redirecting that because you're right that that is what, it is this magic electronic babysitter that it's like, wow, if I turn this on, all of a sudden they're quiet. You know, and we, I think as parents, and and actually the second thing I was going to say ties in with this is having the long view of realizing I have 18 years with this person to help form a human being. Like this is a huge privilege, responsibility. And right now it may seem endless, but 18 years from now when they're sitting with a cap and a gown and I'm crying, like it's going to be done. So if we have that long view and if we, we understand we're making a human, so we're doing something very important. We're helping form this human's beliefs about the world. This is very important work. So if we can understand this is important work and then realize it is a limited time. You're not going to do this for the rest of your life. So let's, let's get on it. Then it helps you to realize I will take the temporary hit of being inconvenienced right now with this child and find something for this child to do instead of an iPad or video game or watching TV. And, you know, it's so interesting because we think like we, we always boast we're so advanced. We're so advanced. We're so advanced. 
But if we're so advanced, like certainly we can be more creative than just, hey, kid, here's this, here's Netflix. Like certainly we can be more creative than this. And Mm -hmm. I think if we would just really understand that in the absence of the technology, so if you're the weird parent who does not give their child unlimited access to your phone, so you're that weird parent that's like, oh, no, we don't do electronics for our kids. If you're that weird parent, your child, guess what? They will do other things. Imagine that. They will play with bubbles. They will play with Legos. They will read books. They will color. They will find other things to do. But you as a parent have to believe that. And I think so many of our parents, we don't believe there's that they would handle it. Like we think they can't do it. But I think it's our responsibility to say, no, maybe it's us. We can't do it. We're the ones that aren't willing to put in the time and inconvenience of having a few yeah. rough days. Well, I can, I can attest to the fact. Days, they'll realize, I, you know. I, yeah, I can attest to the fact that what you're saying is true because every month when I'm in Haiti, I'm at our orphanage, we don't have iPads. We don't have computers. Yeah. And I can tell you that the kids yeah. get through the day just fine. They find a million things to do. None of them have ever sat there saying, oh, if only we had an iPad, then we'd have something to do. They create games. <laughs> they create they create games with uh, with rocks and little stones. And, you know, they, 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 uh, they throw a ball up in yeah. the air and they try to scoop up as many stones as they can before they have to catch the ball. And our kids have become like, expert this is you think the kids in america are fast typers you should see our kids with this game they, they throw the ball up in the air and before it comes down they they scoop up 10 rocks 10 little pebbles and they and they get them in their hand they catch the ball in their other hand now who's to say that who's to, yeah, yeah and who's to say that isn't just as important a skill as as uh, asteroids or whatever you're going to play on your on on your uh screen but there's something tactile about it and you know, we've talked about when Maury talked about the culture in this country. We've done a number of shows on that. Uh, Maury's quote about we've got a form of brainwashing going on in this country. Do you know how they brainwash people? They repeat something over and over and over. More money is good. More property is good. More commercialism is good. More is good. More is good. Well, those games that kids watch, the commercials if you've ever gotten a a disney movie on a disc you can't watch the movie before you watch about 37 commercials for disney products and other disney movies and things like that so all of these things have they're not doing it for for free for your kids edification they're doing it because they're trying to sell something and so in its own way aren't those screens doing that same form of brainwashing Yes, absolutely. And, you know, you think, which kid is richer, this kid in Haiti or this kid in America? You think the kid in Haiti who's actually experiencing a childhood. Mm -hmm. And you're right that when they hear these things over and over, it's why we as parents, sometimes we're thinking, where did you get this belief? You know, and then you think, oh, my goodness, you've been watching it for the last year on this YouTube video that I didn't even know you were watching. And, And so there is there are all these cultural things being you know, forced on kids. And I think, you know, if kids are in elementary school, that they're forced to think about all, you know, sexuality, things like that, where they, they, the third grader didn't used to have to think about that. So it's, it's being shown over and over and over to them. And, and that's a problem. We'll be back with more Tuesday People right after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, talk about that for a second, the sexuality thing. I am stunned. I never considered myself prudish in, in, in any means. I was a musician when I started out. It's kind of, kind of hard to be prudish in that world. Yeah. And yet I find myself cringing right. with embarrassment at some of the things that I see. You know, there was that, that um, film uh, not too long ago, maybe maybe a couple of years ago, about uh, young girls who were, uh, it was very controversial, and they were like, practicing to be strippers or something like that. And uh, maybe it was from France. I could be yes. getting the countries wrong. But it was considered very artistic and, you know, letting the kids express themselves. And they were 10-year-olds doing these erotic kind of dances. And there's a lot of that type of attitude yeah. and stuff out there. How do you, as a parent, shield your child? If you're not, if you're not hermits, if you're not living in the woods, if you're not homeschooling your children, yeah. living amongst the Amish, if if you're if you're out there in the in the world, living in a city or whatever, your kids go to public school perhaps, they hear about all this stuff. How can you yeah. put a limit on that, Arlene? Yeah, so I have three kids in public school, seventh grade, tenth grade, twelfth grade. I understand what you're saying. And I think it is it is involvement of what they are so for me it was postponing the phone. Because once you give that smartphone to that child, then it's it's like a drug. It's like this candy that they always want to consume. And they're going to want to consume what is everyone else consuming. And then they're going to see all this junk that you're talking about. Uh, I have a friend, a nurse, Melanie Hempy, who talks about how that social media, like what you're talking about, just it's, there's, it's so much more gritty. It's so much more in your face. There's so much more pornography type of things. And they're reaching out to kids. So she says it's like it's like a dump. Like you can find good things in social media, you can find good things in Netflix, but you can also find a lot of junky stuff for kids. And so I think as a parent, it's pushing back the giving of a personal device so that you have a bit more control in your home of what they are looking at. And then it's, you know, filters of things that are, you know, our movies are out or, you know, things like that. And then you're talking to your kids, you're keeping screens in central areas so that they're not in the bedrooms. And, you know, from and I think it's also not being taboo about it. 
so if they're really young now, it's so much easier to have that conversation and for them to realize what's normal, what's healthy, what's right, and what's not right. Because if they're growing up, I think the, the main thing is kids are watching things that are adults are supposed to watch. You know, it used to be in the TV days that a parent could say, go to bed. You know, it's after nine o'clock and now it's these shows that only parents watch. Go to bed. Well, now these kids can watch these shows anytime and they're watching them younger and younger. And I think that's where the parent has to step in and say, that's not appropriate for you. So, yeah. and that's why you have to limit the, the stuff because it's hard to police that all the time. Well, it seems like it's not even just movies these days, but also social media, you know, with all yeah. of these, quote, influencers that are around that, you know, kids want to be like and emulate. And how do you stop them from following these people or watching these people and yeah. wanting to be like them? Because it seems like they're everywhere. So how do you avoid yeah. your children having contact with this sort of content? Yeah, yeah. and on a larger, I'll add on to that, and even on a larger scale, how do you avoid the culture of mimicry? You know, where where that's what influencers do. They tell you, buy this, and then you therefore go out and buy that, or look like this, and therefore go and look like that. Because that's even a bigger thing than just the influencers. That's a mentality of, I'm not worthy. I'm not worth other people's attention if I don't do what somebody else does. Right, Lisa? Definitely. And definitely. And I'll say that, um, it's been happening to women for, you know, decades and centuries, but now it's filtering down into children. And I'll watch some of these things like makeup tutorials for, mm-hmm. you know, girls. And I mean, Arlene probably knows what I'm talking about, but I'm talking about gobs of makeup being put on faces that children yeah. certainly don't need. Mm. But on things like yeah. TikTok, it's, it's, probably one of the most super popular platforms that they have. It's gobbing on foundation and eyeshadow to where your face doesn't even look recognizable anymore. It's yeah. what a horrible message for children. It's awful. It's awful. And it's, it's giving girls a message like grow up faster than, than you should be, you know? And I think that's a lot of parenting now is slowing all that down. It's prolonging childhood. Like it used to be, it's protecting your child from the social media kinds of thing, like not even having it accessible, you know? And I know that that is truly the, it is the way, like if you have a, a young child, so, you know, a small child, elementary school child, and you can make the decision, you're not going to touch social media until you're at least in high school. Like you're going to, mm-hmm. you're going to bypass a lot of the things that you're talking about. And of course, this child has to feel loved, has to have other interests you have to, that are nurtured. So they're not just sitting around at home thinking of what they're missing. Instead, they're living a life. And to Mitch's question, I think it's in, in, to, to, uh, to not have that, just everyone's a follower, right? You're just mimicking whatever the whole crowd is doing that. I'm going to do that too. It's fostering like competence in your child of their own, like how they're wired. So whether that child is an artist or a musician or an athlete or a thinker, analytical, whatever it is, you look and watch your child. How can I support this child? Okay, like my one girl when she's in elementary school, she went to horse camp. 
she found out, well, I love horses. Well, we don't know anything about horses. And we just thought, who do we know? So we asked someone we know that we thought for sure. And he referred us to this person. And so my daughter, Lucy, every week on Saturdays has been riding horses with this 80-year-old cowboy. And it's been the most amazing process ever. <laughs> and and so it's this fun. idea of, <laughs> of nurturing, you know, what their interests are championing them so that they have their own voice, they have their own things that are theirs, that they're good at. And I think when a child, like my son Ethan, who doesn't do social media, isn't on video games, but he loves like Nerf guns and 3D printing and chess and jazz music. He's like you, Mitch. He loves music. Uh, So he always feels like I'm competent in other things. So yeah, I might like totally stink in video games and he'll talk about that. But I'm competent in other things, so it's okay. I'm okay to take that hit because I know those kids who play video games, they, they couldn't find a, you know, right. C-sharp to save their lives. You know, so he gets that. Yeah. So, so I think having your kids good at things that are not electronic gives them confidence to know that I have a place in this world. I don't have to be on, have social media or video games right. to have a place in this world. That's a really important point, and, and I, I was about to ask you something when you were kind of halfway through the question, I realized you're sort of answering it, which is the biggest, I find, the biggest uh, challenge, threat may be the word that some parents look at, and I understand why, to good parenting, even intense, good, everything's been perfect up till now kind of parenting, mm. is other kids. Yeah. Other kids at school, yeah. and when kids hit 13, 14, 15, 16, when other kids' impressions and what they think of them are the most important thing in their world, if those other kids are all about the screens, if those other kids are, are, are how, that's how they communicate with one another, how do you keep your kid from not being a social outcast which of course is yeah. what kids say. Mom, I'll be, a, I'll be, I'll, I'll be the laughing stock right. of the school. I'll be a nerd. I'll be, a, you know, thrown yes. out. You know, how do you, how do you do that? And you, you want your kid to be, you want your kid to have friends. On the other hand, you don't want him to have certain friends. <laughs> you don't want, you the don't want that friend. kid to be your yeah. friend. But, but you can't pick. Yeah. So how do you, how do you yeah. do that? And how do you keep them away from the screens that go with that? Yeah, yeah. You know, for me personally, as a mom, it was praying with other moms, like literally praying, God, please help my child find one good friend at school. I feel like the kids don't need a gazillion, but if they have one, two, three good friends that are good influences that they look forward to seeing, that just solves a lot of high school ills. So just starting with that, please, we need help. Um, And then I think really being proactive, like if you're finding, okay, my kid isn't connecting with kids at school, is there another place that I can bring my child to make friends? So maybe their good friends won't be from school, but maybe they'll be in soccer or maybe they'll be in band or maybe, so it's kind of that extra effort of a parent to be proactively seeking, where can we find a like-minded person and kind of like fishing for a friend, so to speak, like putting yourself in places that your child would be able to meet like a like-minded friend. You know, my son, going back to him, he would say, you know, mom, there are people that won't be my friend because I don't have a phone and I don't have video games. But what I've found is generally, I don't really want to be that person's friend because it's kind of like a shallow relationship. He said, my friends, they all have phones. They all play video games, but they don't mind that I don't. And Mm. they're still my friend. You know, so he said, I think the quality of the kind of person 
you have then is a better quality friend. Yeah. So I thought that was even interesting in saying that, you know, I don't want a friend who needs me to have all these things in order even just to open the door of friendship right. with we me. We need to obviously get the, that kid's number and pass it out to all the teenagers yeah. out there. <laughs> those, those are the friends that you want to have. You, um, yeah. you, you mentioned uh, to me when we were kind of setting this up and you sent an email along about something that I hadn't really thought about, uh, but I had asked Maury about how people kind of can get meaning in their life and 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 find something if 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 the normal things aren't working for them. And Maury suggested that it's really easy to give. And I'm a big believer in giving is living and we've done many okay. shows about that that when you give you feel so yeah. much more alive than when you take. And Maury talked about how you can find any senior center where there are older people who are looking for company, want somebody to just play cards with them or a board game or play the piano or something for that. And you walk away from that feeling with a new respect for yourself because you feel needed. Uh, I believe that children can benefit from that just the same as adults can. And in some ways that can be an antidote to some of this stuff that goes on. I mentioned our kids in Haiti. So before the kidnapping became rife on the streets, when we were able to travel, Mm -hmm. we would go every Saturday morning, we would take uh, our older kids, our teenage kids, like 13 up, to this uh, place that was run by some nuns, and it was for premature born babies. Uh, and of course, you know there aren't hospitals that take care of uh, of kids like that. Just they don't have the facilities. So they had this center where they had all these you know, incubators and you know, cribs, and these kids were, in some cases, you know, the size of your hand or, or slightly larger. Wow. And our kids would hold them because the physical mm-hmm. contact. You know, these kids didn't get any physical contact, and they were in many cases they were shunned by their families because that's kind of what happens in Haiti. And I can't tell you how our kids were changed. Every Saturday when mm. we would come back from that, they were different. They were calmer. They they had a sense like they could they were important. And they never spoke about it, but you could just see how it changed them. Like, wow, these mm. these little infants need me, need me to yeah. hold them. Uh talk about how being needed can fill the void of screens or a life without screens if if kids feel like outcasts because of that. Yeah, it's almost like you get to you give them a taste of something better. You give them a taste of something real. And think of it, electronics is all about ourselves. It's all about like the selfie. It's all about I choose what I want. I have a million things. Everything's catered to my every whim. It's everything is about you. It's completely a hundred percent self centered. And then you go out and you serve and then that's all flipped around and it's so much healthier for kids. And when the kid feels needed, like I have to show up like that will fall apart if I'm not there. Like that's really important. We had an after school club at our, at our elementary school for 10 years where on Friday we would do one hour of songs and games and snack and a Bible story. And we would do that. Well, we would have our teens come back and volunteer like the ones that came out of, you know, elementary school and they come back. And I would literally tell them if you weren't here, like we couldn't have this because we would break up the kids in small groups. The third graders go with this person. The fourth graders go with this person. And we would tell them, you know, if, if you don't come here, we can't have this. And I think that gives, what does that give a teenager? Like, wow, like I better show up. They really need me. And wow, I might be in eighth grade, but I'm talking to these second graders and I'm trying to help them. Like that's super, super healthy. 
And so I think we tend to expect less from kids because they're, we're, you know, we just want to keep them amused, entertained. But I think if we expected, like, don't ask, like a lot of parents will be like, oh, well, I'll just ask my kids, do you feel like volunteering? No kid feels like volunteering. And so, you know, for us before COVID, we went, we live in San Diego. And so just in a half an hour, we can be in an orphanage in Tijuana. And so once a month, we would go to this orphanage and we would do one hour of English lessons and then like play a little basketball with them or jump rope. And I will tell you, it's not like my kids were like, oh, yay, it's Tijuana Day where we get to spend a few hours yeah, right, you know, as, right. as you're doing it. It's not like it's like, yay, this is great. But when you're done and you look back and you say for two years, we visited those 12 boys, that's something that's good. And it, it feels good and it is to do good. You know, it's not just for the feeling of it. That's a good byproduct. But when your kids learn, like, I'm created to do good work. I'm not created to sit around and complain and just, like, you know, be a narcissist. Those are all really good things. That's well, really wonderful. Th- these are, yeah, yeah, these are just great lessons. And I encourage people to pick up Screen Kids by Arlene Pellicane. These These are really important things to navigate the minefield that has become raising children in, in an era of, of iPhones and iPads. It's, there's never been anything like this. We cannot look to our parents or grandparents and how they handled yeah. it because it didn't happen. And even television, it's not the same. Television is not mm-hmm. as addicting. Not I, we all remember as kids watching the television saying there's nothing on. There's nothing on. There's nothing on for kids. There's nothing good on for kids, especially when there are only three channels. Uh, so there were times where it just wasn't, it, it, you didn't have to worry about it. That's never yeah. going to be true for social media. There will always be something yeah. to grab your attention, and it is in your hand, and you can hide it under the blankets at night, and, and you know you can't do that with TV sets. Yeah. So nobody, no generation has ever faced this before, and I think your your book and your advice are really important, Arlene. Um, and I'm sure even Maury, were he here, would say, you know, this is this is new to me. <laughs> this is yeah. this is a new <laughs> a new problem, Mitch. Uh, maybe you better you better uh, give me some information before we do it. So I really yeah. want to thank yeah. you for uh, applying that and 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 meshing it with some of Maury's lessons uh, about the importance of children, about the importance of ignoring culture about the importance of loving each other or perishing because in the end you know you're going to have to make up for yeah. that lack of screen time with love and with affection and even physical affection which we talked about a lot with with Maury so uh, again the books that Arlene has written Screen Kids 31 Days to a Happy Husband Parents Rising you can check those all out her podcast is a Happy Home podcast uh, Arlene spelled like it sounds, and then Pelican, P-E-L-L-I-C-A-N-E.com, and her master class at happyhomeuniversity.com. Now, Lynn, we hope you have a great holiday and a great new year and uh, that your, you don't, your kids don't get anything electronic for Christmas. <laughs> That's right. They won't. <laughs> nothing with a battery. <laughs> because yeah, the, charger, battery. the chargers alone will put you, uh, you know, into a poorhouse between all the new chargers yes. you have to get for all the new devices. It's been a pleasure oh, talking to you. Thanks truth. for being with us, Arlene. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Arlene. All right, that'll wrap things up. Uh, We sure enjoyed uh, being with you this week. Uh, Christmas is uh, coming up on the weekend. And uh, we we want to, yeah, well, hopefully it's not an IE. Hopefully it's it's a pleasant time (laughs) where uh, you can really relish 
your family, your loved ones, and the amazing blessings that we have just to be alive at this time in this world, uh, in this country, uh, uh, under our circumstances, as tough as they may seem relative to other times in the world, other countries in the world, other times in history, we have it pretty good. Some, some of us have it really, really, really good. And those who do, mm-hmm. give back. Give back. Giving is living. We'll be back again with our show uh, in between Christmas and New Year's and uh, look forward to speaking to you then. Until then, on behalf of Lisa Goitsch, I'm Mitch Album, wishing you a Merry Christmas and see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday people.